Romans chapter number 12, I'm so excited to preach this message tonight that I almost just got up and preached instead of doing anything else. Uh, but I thought, well, I'll wait just a minute or two. I'm so excited to share with you this truth. We're going to emphasize verse number one, but it's important we read verses one and two, and we're going to back up and see some context in just a minute. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verses number one and two, I beseech you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And uh, what a famous passage here. What a beautiful passage. How many of you love that passage? You say amen. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I want to look at this passage of scripture. And I want to begin with the very first two words. I beseech. You know what that word means? To beg. I mean, what would be so important that the Apostle Paul would beg the church at Rome to do it? He says, I'm begging you. I beseech you. Therefore, oh, hmm, we see therefore, we've got to find out what's there for, right? And so he's just finished in chapter number 11 talking about how awesome God is. Look what the scripture says in verse number 33 of chapter 11. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? No one. Who hath been his counselor? No one. Who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed? Who, who's given to God anything? No, none of us. God's given us everything. Even the things we give back to him, God gave them to us. He is our great benefactor. He's amazing. He's awesome. For of him, verse 36, and through him and to him, are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. I want you to know something. Paul says God is amazing. He's awesome. He is rich in knowledge, rich in wisdom, rich as creator. He is almighty, all-knowing, eternal God. What a wonderful God we have. And then in verse number 2, he says this. He says if... I'm begging you in verse 1. He says in verse number 2, he says, That ye may prove, you see the end of the verse? That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, what's he talking about? He says, I want you to know something. God is amazing. He's eternal, almighty God. He's rich in wisdom and knowledge. He says in verse number 2 of chapter number 12, and you can know and do His will. Don't you want to know and do His will? Isn't it important that as one of God's created beings, one of His children, isn't it important that you know His will and do His will? He says you can know God's will. You can do what God wants you to do with your life. You can invest your life where God wants you to invest your life. You can have God's blessing in your life. He says, hey, listen, you can know God's will. You have an opportunity to be happy. 
You have an opportunity to be satisfied. You have an opportunity to be fulfilled. You have an opportunity to be able to rest in the promises of Almighty Creator God. You have an opportunity to experience peace and rest and joy. He says, you have an opportunity to know God's will. And of course, when we begin to think how awesome God is, we begin to think that me, just me, insignificant me and insignificant you, can know that God's will and do His will and have His promise and rest in His plan and have His peace and provision. He says, you, you can know that God. And it makes perfectly sense that somebody that loves the people he's writing to would say, I beg you. I beg you, know and do God's will. I beg you. And so tonight's message is titled this, Knowing the Will of God, Step 1. Knowing the will of God, Step 1, is this very simple. Step 1 is present your bodies. Present your bodies. We'll know more about that as the moments and the time comes, but present your bodies. He's begging. He says, I beg you to know and do God's will. And he says this in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Point number one, I want you to know this. Why should we... Present our bodies. Why should we yearn to know the will of God? Number one, because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Look what the scripture says in verse one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. How many of you ever just, you you read that, you know that's part of the verse, but you kind of just pass over it by the mercies of God. It's kind of one of those, maybe it's just a pleasantry that Paul wrote down. No, 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 no. Every word in the Bible is inspired. I want you to think about this with me for a minute. And I'm so encouraged by this truth. By the mercies of God. He said, now, he doesn't go, I beg you, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. No, he's, he's begging. I don't know about in your copy of the scriptures, but in my Bible, beseech is in all caps. How many of your copy of the scriptures looks the same way? <laughs> it's inspired. It's right. If yours isn't all cap, that's okay. I read one scripture that was and one copy that was and one copy that wasn't. But in my Bible, it's all caps because it's an important word. It sets the tone. I beg you. And, and so when we read that, we shouldn't read it. I beg you. I beseech you. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What's it mean, the mercies of God? Have you ever heard anybody say, for mercy's sake, you need to. That's what this says. For heaven's sake, you need to. And so when we think about this, by the mercies of God, we need to understand something about mercy. Mercy is when you don't get, no. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. All right? So what do I deserve? I deserve hell. What do I deserve? I deserve every rotten thing this world could throw at me because I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. What do I deserve? I deserve trouble. I don't deserve 
peace. I don't deserve a relationship with God. I don't deserve joy. I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve, I mean, I'm not born into that kind of family. I'm of Adam's rotten race and I'm a sinner condemned. And so Paul says, listen, folks, God who created everything, God who's rich in wisdom and knowledge, he wants to show you his will. He wants you to do his will. And he says, I beg you by the mercies of God, for mercy's sake, do God's will. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime chance. Listen, you don't deserve to be happy. You don't deserve to be fulfilled. You don't deserve to be able to live in fellowship with God. But you can. It's of the Lord's mercies that you're not consumed. And it is of the Lord's mercies that you get the opportunity to live in His will. Listen, it's a a once-in-a-lifetime chance. You only got one life to live, and you got one chance to serve the Lord. How many of you ever heard anybody say, This is your, I mean, listen, a chance like this may never come again? Well, that's how it is in the Christian life. Look, you don't deserve to be a child of the king, but he's offering to be your father, he's offering to be your guide. He's offering to be your comforter. He's offering to be your protector. He's offering to bless you with his blessing. I want you to know something. For mercy's sake, present your bodies to the Lord. For mercy's sake, seek the Lord. For mercy's sake, it only makes sense to seek God and do his will. Listen, we're not worthy. We don't deserve it. But Paul said, I beg you. You've got a chance. You've got a chance to walk with God, to be blessed by God. He says, by all means, you need to take up this opportunity. Present your bodies because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Number two, present your bodies. Know the will of God. Number two, you must be available. How can I know God's will? How can I do God's will? We need to be available. Look what the scripture says in this verse. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Present. I like this word present. It's very important we pay attention to it. Present your bodies. It literally means to stand by. It means to stand by. How many of you have ever worked for somebody and you just... You, you stand by and you're there in case they need you. You're there, you're prepared. You stand by. And that's what that word literally means, stand by. It means we are present, ready to be used by God. It means we're going to get up in the mornings. We're going to look for the opportunity to just hear from God. We're going to wait for God to move. We're going to wait for God to help us. We're going to present our bodies. The word present, stand by. Present, give it, give it. Present your bodies. What's the Bible say about our bodies? Now, this is a, a word picture. We are to give our bodies from the bottom of our feet to the top of our heads. To give our bodies. And if you are looking at the body, we're thinking about our everything. What does God want from you? Everything. You mean he wants everything? I got to give him everything? He gave you everything. He just wants it back so he can use it the way it was designed. And so the Apostle Paul says... 
Present your bodies, all of you, a living sacrifice. Let's talk about the sacrifice for just a minute. What kind of sacrifice was acceptable? It wasn't the leftovers. It wasn't the blemished. It wasn't those that had been maimed by wild beasts that were going to die anyway. What did the sacrifice consist of? The best. And so God says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. What does God want you to do? He says, he says I want you to just surrender your will to me. I want you to stand by. I want you to be willing to do whatever it is that I've called you to. I want you to be listening and ready. I want you to be prepared to respond. He says, I want you to be available. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. The difference between the sacrifice we get to give and the sacrifice in the Old Testament when the blood was shed, we're a living sacrifice. We get to live. We get to live and serve. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. The Bible says holy. Holy. I thought about that word. It's another word you could easily pass over, right? Holy. It, holy. The word holy means it's distinctly God's. It's distinctly God's. Like the Holy Ghost. This word's used over and over in the scriptures. The Holy Ghost. It's distinctively God, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. How about uh, the holy place? It's distinctively God's. The holy land. It's God's land. And so the Bible says that we are to present our bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, distinctly God's. Let me ask you something. Are you distinctly God's? Have you ever, have you ever been around somebody that was distinctly God's? Now, I'm not asking you to go out and look like some nut. Some religious fanatical nut. I'm not asking you to put flacteries on your head and prayer beads. I mean, I'm not asking you that. That's not what we're, that's what we're talking about. Distinctly God's. Here's how it works. Is there any distinction between you and the loss at your workplace? I'm not saying you look down your nose. You should never. In just a few few minutes in this, in this chapter, just a few verses down the page, the Bible's going to tell us, don't think too highly of yourselves. But are you distinctly God's? At work? Are you distinctly God's at home? Are you distinctly God's with your family? Or are you God's at church around church people and you're the world's around the world's people? In just a minute, the Bible's going to say that we need to be not conformed to the world, but transformed. Are you distinctly God's? The Bible says we're to present our bodies. Holy. Are you distinctly God's? Oh, there's no riding the fence. There's no lukewarm. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you speak Jesus on Sundays and Wednesdays and leave him at the church house, On Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 
Bible says you're unstable. You're not in God's will. You're religious. And that doesn't produce anything. Are you holy? Now, holy doesn't mean the Holy Ghost is perfect. But if, if I am characterized as holy, it doesn't mean Cody's perfect because he's not. That just means that I'm distinctly God's. Are you available? See, we must be available. We must present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, well-pleasing. We should yearn to please the Lord. Charles Spurgeon said, A man that pleases the Lord without fail bring to himself a great amount of joy. Well-pleasing. Well-pleasing. You see, we must be available. If I'm going to know God's will, I'm going to present my body. I need to be reminded that it's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I need to also know that I must be available. Are you available to do God's will? Are you willing, if you need to, to change for God and His glory? The answer in our heart should be a resounding yes. You must be available. Number three, presenting your body, it just makes sense. What the scripture says. Verse number three. I'm sorry, verse number one. It just makes sense. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Which is your reasonable service. Now, some people think, now listen, this whole, you know, this whole giving my whole life to God, living for Jesus seven days a week, this whole surrendering, you know, surrendering to do whatever it is God wants me to do thing. That seems a little bit over the top. It's not what God says. He says it's reasonable. He says it makes perfect sense. It's reasonable. Now, if God is who Paul says he was at the end of chapter number 11, And he is. And if God, that God, wants to guide you and show you his will and use your life in a perfect way, does it make sense to give God your all? Absolutely, yes. It makes perfect sense. He says, which is your reasonable service. Let me tell you something very fascinating about that word reasonable. I'm no Greek scholar, I promise. But, you may be. I'm going to tell you a Greek word, and then I want you to tell me what the English word is. Now, you can do it, I'm pretty sure. I think some of you are going to be surprised. Lagos is the... Listen to all these Greek scholars. Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon. I'm just kidding, that's the Greek alphabet. That's about as far as I got in kindergarten. Lagos. It's the word. Do you know that word reasonable is a derivative and it's directly taken from the word logos. The first, it is logos. It's the word, the word. It's a form of the word, the word. And what's that mean? Here's what reasonable is. What's reasonable? I've been reading... My homeowner's insurance policy today. Yeah. I'm going to need it. 
And there's a word that keeps recurring, reasonable. Reasonable cost. They'll replace reasonable cost, reasonable cost. Reasonable. What's reasonable? Well, they're reasonable and my reasonable may be two different things. I hope they're not. Reasonable. You know what reasonable is? Reasonable agrees with the word of God. You see, reasonable logos, the word logos, reasonable is in direct connection and in perfect agreement with the word of God. How can I be reasonable? How can I be reasonable? What's a reasonable way to lead my family? What's a reasonable way to orchestrate my life? What's a reasonable way to manage my finances? What's a reasonable way to raise my children and treat my wife? What's a reasonable way to live? I'll tell you what's reasonable. What's reasonable is to live according to the Word of God. So it is absolutely, perfectly reasonable that you'd present your bodies a living sacrifice. Just saying, hey, look, here I am, God. How many of you have ever tried life your own way? And you look back and you say, oh, man, did I ever make a big mistake? Instead of saying amen right there, say, oh, my. One, two, three. See? Me, too. Oh, my. You see, we thought that what I wanted was reasonable. We thought what I desired was reasonable. We thought those feelings inside of me, those lusts and those yearnings were reasonable. But those reasonables didn't line up with the reasonable word of God. And when we do things our way and we leave God out, guess what happens? We make a mess. And God in his word in verse number one says, hey, listen. I beg you. Present your bodies. Make yourself available. Put yourself in the way. Stand by. Be available. Do God's will. He says, do it. I beg you. And you'll be glad you did. Because it only makes sense. It only makes sense. I've thought about that old phrase, present your bodies. Stand by. Here I am. Here's my body. Let me, I'll, I'll do it. And I was reminded of a story. If you take your Bibles and go with me back to Genesis chapter number 24. Genesis chapter number 24. In this story, Abraham and Sarah have been blessed with a boy in their old age. God gave them that promised child. His name was Isaac. It came time for Isaac to be married and Abraham didn't want Isaac to marry a Canaanite girl. He wanted Isaac to marry a Jewish girl. And so Abraham sends his servant. All we know is it's his servant. Abraham sends his servant to find a wife. Now I'll just tell you. It's a daunting task enough for a young man to go out and try to find a wife. I remember thinking when I went to Crown College the first time, who is she? Where is she? <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? I saw her at Walmart the first day. <laughs> it's great. But it's a daunting task to go out and try to meet and find the right wife. But you just imagine being the servant. 
Abraham said, listen, I need for you to go to a foreign land and find the perfect woman for my son to marry. <laughs> Can you imagine having that conversation with that dad? Can you imagine having that conversation with that girl? <laughs> and I'll just tell you, Abraham's servant was sent on a task that was pretty daunting. How many of you ever look at your life and think, man, it is a daunting task to live life? And I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to survive. I don't know how I'm going to know what's right. I don't know how, I, I mean, I, 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 how many of you can identify? <laughs> I only remember the servant. I remember Abraham's servant. Abraham's servant prays and asks the Lord in verse number 12 of chapter 24. He said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. First of all, he didn't make it all about him himself. He made it about his master. That has a lot to do and speaks a lot to knowing and doing God. It's not all about you. You'll put others first. you put God first. You'll find out God's will is more easily attainable. Verse 13, he continues praying. He says, Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. He says, Lord, make it clear. Make it easy. I'm trusting you. He says, Thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And the story goes like this. that He's sitting there and here comes a girl. She does exactly what he prayed. And she was beautiful. And she gave him drink and gave his camels drink. And he asked, Is there room for us to stay at your daddy's house tonight? She said, yes. And in verse 27, the servant, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. Here's what he says. I, being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. What is it? I, being in the way, the Lord led me. I love that phrase. What happened? Because he was willing to present his body. Because he's willing to just stand by and be there. God gave him a blessing. It was a once in a lifetime opportunity that he did not deserve. God gave him an opportunity because he was available to see God do an amazing work through his life. He says, I was in the way. <laughs> I being in the way, the Lord led me. He said, I was in the way, and God showed me his will. You see, part one of God's will is not all that difficult other than we have to fight our flesh because we want to rule. The truth of the matter is, it's worthy that we beg you, that we beg, that it's, it's beg-worthy. That we seek to know and do 
God's will. And step one is present your body. It only makes sense. Present your body. What happened? God blessed the servant. God blessed Isaac. God blessed Rebekah. God did a mighty work. Why? Because the servant was in the way. How can God bless me? Hey, look, I just got to give my life. I got to present my body. I got to be there. I got to be available. And I got to be yearning for that perfect will of God. And he says, hey, you can have it. It's good to know God's will.